Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for being with us today. You are listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. You can visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com, and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions, and our blogs as well. Today, our guest is Greg Ephemera Trout. Well, good morning, Greg, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today, Greg. Well, let's start off with you telling our audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and grew up in a town called Elverson, population 900. It's debatable whether or not I am their most famous son. It's between me and an 18th century cannibal named Dr. Pounder. Uh, I grew up there, moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania when I was 21, and I've been here ever since. Throughout that time, I have been a, I've been a lot of things, but I'm most known for, I was most known for being a music journalist up until about three years ago. I got a little burned out on it and decided I was weary of writing about other people's accomplishments and other people's creative endeavors and wanted to set out on my own. And that's, uh, that's how I found myself in visual art, working collage and assemblage. Uh, I have no artistic formal training. I went, I attended the University of the Arts about 10 years ago, but I was in their creative writing program. And that's the extent of my credentials in art education. That's a little about me. Well, that's very interesting, Greg. Tell the audience, when did you discover your talent for art? Uh, you know, I've, that question has crossed my mind now and then. I'm, I'm not sure I can pinpoint a moment. Um, ever since I was a child, I've had a dual love affair with art and kind of disposable trash culture, um, zines. Monster Magazine, comic books, uh, that general aesthetic. Um, and admittedly developed kind of a hoarding problem early on, collecting pretty much anything I could get my hands on that I found slightly visually interesting. Again, you know, Monster Magazines, comic books, music magazines, strange foreign religious documents, pretty much anything. And I felt... A few years back, I kind of had an epiphany, and I realized that, A, I was I was sort of keeping these things to myself, and I, I, I thought they had a wonderful strength and spirit and wanted the rest of the world to see them. And I also, again, wanted to express myself and in turn sort of breathe new life into the images and ideas I had been collecting. Well, Greg, tell us, tell us about your art, how you create your art. Well... Uh, I have my, price, my process is fairly simple. Um, 
I generally collect uh, images from the Victorian era and comic book images from the 60s and 70s. Generally, the, the 70s ones, speaking of my youth, uh, Victorian illustrations and woodcuts that I that I collect, basically, they they sort of embody the spiritualist movement at that time, kind of the mysterious interest in seances and uh, uh, spiritualism and uh, mesmerism and levitation and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what I feel I am doing with the art is I I spend a couple days a week either making backgrounds or slicing and dicing images out of the piles and piles of old magazines, comics, documents I, I've collected. And then I, uh, after I have a, a multitude of them, I sit down and I just sort of start assembling them, start trying to create stories and situations with the with already existing imagery and pieces. I uh mm-hmm. I have a firm belief, I guess it's part of my artistic philosophy, that there's a great power in in randomness. And if I see one image and another image that are seemingly disparate but seem to speak to each other, I almost feel on a metaphysical level it's out of my hands and these need to be together. And more often than not it creates a whole new world of the two existing pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be technical, I work with uh, various adhesives, anything from regular white glue to more heavy-duty spray adhesives and glosses. I sometimes incorporate watercolor or acrylic paint or even children's finger paint if I feel like it needs uh, sort of an extra emotion. I use the color red a lot in that way. So that's my general process. I have uh, I have relationships with comic book and uh, flea market stands around the country that saved me uh, paper such as magazines and, and books that they they can't sell because they're in too much disrepair. So more often than not, I'm buying comic books by the pound from these people. That's, and, uh, that's what I end up using. Well, do you also use photographs as well? Um, you know, I I haven't ventured into that yet, but I recently lucked upon a box of unused candid yearbook photos from the mid-'80s that I'm dying to do something with. So <laughs> photographs may be, may be a new frontier for me. Uh, I do have a personal rule that I don't reproduce anything via the... Via, uh, a computer or printer. I only use images that already exist, and it 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 challenges and and in turn inspires my creativity to add that sort of limitation and pressure to it. Name for your type of art? Um, you know, I, I a lot of people refer to it as collage, which I'm not sure is technically correct. I think the proper word is assemblage. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> well, I would have said collage too, so, but I think you're correct. Probably assemblage is a much better term. Start to finish when you uh, start a piece, how long does it take you to complete it? Uh, well, as 
as you know, it, it varies from piece to piece. Um, mm-hmm. There are pieces that will have one image in a corner and sit for months sometimes waiting for that next image to come to my attention. That completes it. Other times it's 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 very rapid. If I've just gotten a new batch of of uh, Victorian backgrounds or a new pile of, I, I find a lot of good stuff in um, 70s romance comics, uh, young love confession teen blah 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 stuff, and uh, uh, sometimes that's incredibly rapid. I'll I'll produce four to five works in an evening. Depending on how much coffee I've had. <laughs> Caffeine does help, doesn't it? It certainly does. Although it's debatable whether or not I'm really feeling the effects of it at this point, but yes. Where do you get your inspiration? Is it just looking at uh, one of the uh, comic book pictures or the woodcuts and it comes to your mind? Describe that process for us. It, it, it it comes to my mind. I mean, there is a a certain amount of inspiration that's out of my hands. There are certain, I guess, ideas and elements from the past that interest and inspire me greatly. Um, kind of the idea of past ideas of, of female beauty I find very interesting, and I find it very interesting to juxtapose sort of like 70s superheroines and uh, stayed Victorian women together. So there's there's certain ex- existing aesthetics that I look for that interest me. But as far as, as far as what specifically inspires me, I don't know. I'll I'll look at a I'll look at a picture in a magazine or a comic, and I'll focus on one person or one object, and decide that that could probably have a lot greater strength if I removed it and put it in a new world. Tell the audience, is there messages that you're trying to convey in your art pieces? Uh, I'm not sure messages is, is the right term. I I am of the belief that all art creation is a ritual of sorts, and the creation of that new idea does send a message both to the viewer and out into the out in the world, and ultimately the universe sort of makes a new concept, makes a, a a new creation, a new space baby, like in 2001, if you were. So I'm, I don't know what message I'm sending, but I know each time I make a piece, I am sending a message. Yeah. And it's certainly not, I don't, I don't ever strive for anything uh, political or social. There's personal stuff in me that's coming out that I'm, I'm not even conscious of, but I know it's there. I, Probably people that know me could look at my art and tell me a heck of a lot more about what I'm saying than than I am. <laughs> well, what drew you to, you know, you mentioned earlier the, the comic books and the, the turn of the century with the graphs and woodcuts. Have you always been drawn to those? Is this something you personally liked? I've always been drawn. Uh, comics have always been uh, a part of my life since day one. Uh, that imagery has always fascinated and, and attracted me. The, the, the Victorian stuff came came later in life. I have a, a great interest in, I guess, mystery and mysterious places. You know, uh, 
shadowy parlors and uh, graveyards at night, and uh, just sort of, sort of, uh, I guess, I guess eerie, mysterious things that hold secrets. And Victorian woodcuts, definitely. I mean, that's like a, that's like Christmas morning with that stuff. You know, every <laughs> everything looks like something supernatural is going on behind the scenes, even if it's not. I, I get that feeling. And I, you know, I've, I've always been in it, fascinated with that. During that era, again, the whole spiritualist movement, uh, people like Aleister Crowley and Franz Mesmer, the people that were challenging uh, religion and faith and belief systems in a, in a very radical way and creating their own traditions and aesthetics. And I, I guess that's kind of what I'm doing myself. It's certainly not in such a grand manner, but if I'm putting, you know, the savage She-Hulk in a uh, in a séance parlor in 1898, I'm definitely creating a new new aesthetic and a new situation. Mm-hmm. So you got into art. I, I take it uh, as an as a mature adult. Had you ever? You know, earlier in your life, had any love for art or uh, done any other types of art prior to this? Well, I I was incredibly, I am incredibly blessed uh, to have parents that since since I was a baby have always made sure I was exposed to art and the arts. Taking very frequent trips to the Philadelphia Art Museum, which again, incredibly blessed to have that near me in my childhood. Art was always a part of our household. My parents aren't artists per se, but are great fans. And even as a small child, I was fascinated by things all over the spectrum. Uh, Marcel Duchamp and Dadaism. I was probably the only eight-year-old that could talk about the chocolate grinder. I was always drawn to gory religious art uh, in kind of a fascinating, uh, horrifying way as a kid. I'm sure it scared the, the heck out of me. Um, and I always had art books as a child. I'm on my third copy of Jansen's History of Modern Art in my lifetime because it, it, it's sort of like my Bible, one of my Bibles, and it eventually falls apart. I use it so much. And I I remember being a kid with that giant book in my lap with my feet poking out of it, just uh, devouring everything. Everything from Salvador Dali to Google the Elder. Is there an artist that you believe influenced you or gave you the ideas for your artwork? Well, as far as the artwork I produce, I would say my greatest influence is uh, Winston Smith, who uh, he was most famous for doing the, the collage art covers and booklets in the 80s that came with records by the Dead Kennedys and now he does covers for the New Yorker uh, stuff for the New York Times Sunday Supplement and he uh, pretty much trades in 50s imagery going horribly wrong he uh, is a very famous New Yorker cover of, uh, of a happy 50s family gathering money from a, a tree that's, that's flowering $100 bills his booklets generally have pictures of 
nuclear families, like, he'll collage it so it looks like that they're sitting in their car with a tray, like at a drive-in, except they're at a Klan rally or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. His stuff was very influential to me. Robert Rauschenberg, uh, both his career and his actual artwork, uh, very, very influential to me. So that's that's the artist to do something remotely similar that, that influenced me. Uh, I the the 70s comic horror artists like Richard Corbin and Neil Adams and Bernie Wrightson uh, are of great influence to me. And then I kind of uh, I cherry pick I I've always cherry picked influences, maybe not evident in my artwork, but what what inspires and excites me. Like I mentioned before, Bruegel the Elder and Hieronymus Bosch. Uh, I like uh, overbearing 18th or yeah, 18th century British landscapes. Francis Bacon. Uh, I'm sure I'm I'm forgetting somebody, but it generally, artists that confront of it is what inspires me. I don't I don't like things. If I'm going to enjoy an art piece, I don't want it to be easy for me and I don't want the work done for me and I don't necessarily want to be comfortable because I can do that on my own I feel like art is bringing something new to me and uh, it should be a, a, a emotionally interactive experience well I agree I think that's you know the wonderful thing about art is it conjures up you know emotions and feelings uh, imbuing the painting, and some of it is trying to interpret, you know, the message the artist may have been trying to send. But then also, every everyone can look at a painting and come up with different, you know, emotions that uh, you know are theirs and not someone else's. So Greg, is there anyone uh, that's been, you know, a big help to you in your art? Oh yes. First of all, starting at the beginning, I have. I'm incredibly blessed with a family that is nothing but supportive of, of my artistic endeavors. Maybe not always understanding it, but always very, very supportive and, and extremely proud that I've gotten as far as I have with my art. There are a few specific individuals. So there's a uh, a clothier in Philadelphia named Allie Kuttner, who runs Bohema Clothing, who gave me my very first show in her boutique. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple in Maniunk, and Tetralt and Adam Ertel, who run a place called the Spiral Bookcase, which is a uh, boutique bookstore who gave me a show in December, and I will also have a solo show there in April. Oh, and, that's uh, wonderful. That's in the Maniac uh, neighborhood of Philadelphia, be on Main Street. It's, uh, I believe it. It's on Cotton Street. The actual address will reach me, but you'll find me. Um, there's a uh, Mac Worthington who owns a gallery in Columbus, Ohio, has been very supportive and exhibits my work from time to time in his gallery in the in the Arts District over there in the Great Midwest. Um, there's a Dutch artist and Rob Benders, who I've collaborated with in the past, who's who's been an enormous help. You know, my local, the local Philadelphia arts community has been very supportive. You know, even even folks that 
don't aren't exactly aren't exactly artist, visual artists like myself have been of great 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 help. Uh, in particular, Marianne Petrus Gilbert of Sardine Clothing has has been a supporter and rallier of mine in the community. And, you know that we artists have to stick together, and uh, <laughs> that's what that's what makes it possible. That is so true. Well, Greg, I think this is a good place uh, for a commercial break, and then after the break we'll talk about some of your individual pieces of art. just want to remind the audience that you can view and purchase Greg Ephemera Trout's artwork by going to contemporaryartgalleryonline.com and click on the Artist tab and then on Greg's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants today. If you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and click on the membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, again, please visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and complete the volume purchaser's request form. And again, to view Greg's stunning artwork, to re-listen to this interview, and of course purchase some art, please click on the Artist tab and then on Greg's name. Well, Greg, what is the art that you created? What would you say is your favorite? Ah, you uh, wow. That's like picking a favorite child. <laughs> Which, I, you know, would be easy for my parents. That's me, but I've heard other people have trouble with that. There's a, uh, there's a piece I did about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, called uh, Help Me, which I think uh, you can probably see from where you are. Uh it is a it's a very simple collage. It's just two pieces. The background is a very, very, very magnified um, reflector from some sort of vehicle. And over top of it is Mira, Aquaman's wife, being very damsel in distress and saying, help me. It looks as though, the way I've assembled it, that she is leaning up against this, I guess, sort of retro future wall in some sort of, could be any sort of alien landscape. And by alien, I mean, can't really pick out where exactly she is, but, you know, it's somewhere you've never been. And I I call this one of my favorites because it's it's just a very simple example of how you can take two objects you put them together, you complete you you create a completely new a new situation, a new uh, a new story, if it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another favorite called Swept Away, which is again a, a a very simple very simple two piece collage, two piece assemblage. Um, it is a picture of a a Victorian picture of a large sea serpent in a in a very rough ocean. Um, I believe it's probably from a biblical illustration, but I, I'm not sure exactly what what book it would be from. And Aquaman is seemingly in the ocean, protecting himself from this serpent. The reason why I mention this one is something I try to do is very intricately and painstakingly cut down the images so it looks like they belong there all along. Even obviously one's in color, one's black and white, 
one's a hundred years newer than the other. I make it. Look, I try to make it look like it, that's where that person or, or object was from the very start. And that involves a lot of uh, uh, patience and uh, mm-hmm. tracing paper and trial and error to get that right. And uh, when it works, it really works. And uh, you can really see that in this piece. Yes, you can. Well, I like the Carney comes to Maple Street. That's a, that's a very, very recent piece. Uh, the background is an illustration from an old Green Stance book from the 50s. <laughs> and this, actually, the book's full of Green Stance. I'd love to go trade it in for a, for a new vacuum cleaner. But, uh, there you go. <laughs> I have to warm up the time machine to do that. But, uh, yeah, the background is, is, is the town on the back cover of it. And then... Mm-hmm. Uh, the the tightrope walkers from a a book of uh, Victorian art about the circus, and uh, I basically uh, it's kind of a forbearing or uh, forbearing is not the right word. I think what I'm trying to convey or the the story I'm trying to tell is kind of a something wicked this way it comes kind of thing that uh, there's some stuff coming to small town USA that you may not understand and may be pretty scary to you guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just did that one uh, a week or two ago. Oh, yes, because in the image that the audience would see when they view it is uh, the Cairo walker on the image then almost appears giant-like, at least to me. Yes. Yes. That's, that sort of represents uh, your kind of a giant force that's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, another piece of art of yours is She-Hulk. Tell us about that. That's a, that's an interesting story. That was actually part of a a commission. Joe Garden, the uh, former editor of the, the online and print magazine The Onion, mm-hmm. uh, commissioned me to do a, a piece with the She-Hulk for his girlfriend. It's funny, the, the correspondence he sent me, I pictured him waving his arm because the uh, the sentence was, looking for something in a savage She-Hulk. <laughs> so uh, I was at first elated because the She-Hulk is one of my favorite comic characters both because uh, it, it, it's just a ridiculous concept. Uh, she became the She-Hulk because she got a blood transfusion from the Hulk. Maybe it's a, a commentary on on uh, current disease practices. I don't know, but uh, I was elated at first, and I realized I don't have any She-Hulk to work with. So that uh-huh. uh, that turned that turned into a weekend of cruising around the tri-state area, tracking her down. I ended up doing five pieces uh, that he could choose from. That. That is not the one he purchased. Um, the other four are uh, currently for sale as a set. I'll uh, I'll put them on your site when I get a moment. Um, but yeah, that's that's another example of you know that that makes a, a new story. Um, it, to me, it sort of creates a situation where the She-Hulk was wandering in the night and happened upon this sort of celestial occurrence in the woods 
Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a happy accident because the light on her really looks like it's the light coming from what she's observing. In the background of this piece, where does it come from? It comes from a big book of uh, stories from the turn of the century that may be the only non-water-stained uh, picture in the entire book. It was uh, at the bottom of a box at the bottom of a basement in the bottom of the mm-hmm. earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was a book of um, sort of, I believe it was probably for a textbook of some sort, because it, it was Bible stories and, and uh, folk and fairy tales. To be quite honest, the book was in such disrepair that I have no idea what story that picture is, is telling. And frankly, I like it that way. I, uh, it's now my story. Right. Right. Come up with your own, uh, use your own imagination as to what the picture represents and where it comes from. Correct. Well, and let's talk about uh, your other piece of work. You made it. Tell us about that one. Well, that's a, that's a triple piece. Um, the background is the ocean from a Jacques Cousteau book. Oh. The woman, the woman uh, is possibly from that same book. Oh, no, I can't imagine she is. It is, might be from an old 1913 issue of the Cosmopolitan, which was a uh, magazine with no relation to the current Cosmopolitan. It was a uh, kind of human interest stories and short fiction and stuff, and I believe that was an illustration from that. Mm-hmm. And then the woman with her back to you is uh, Talia Razagul, Batman villain's daughter, who I believe she's also known as the Huntress, I'm sure. Uh, one of my nerdy friends is going to correct me on that a second to hear this. But, <laughs> um, and it, it's... You know, I don't I don't even recall the exact process why I decided those images were together. But once they were, it, all it looked to me like was, was a homecoming. It just looked like the black and white woman was greeting the other woman who was finally home from somewhere in something that was rather important and, and possibly troubling to her. Well, it is very interesting uh, in looking at the image that... that it, it, there is a, there's a story there. Well, Greg, we're getting close to the end of the show. Um, one of the questions I always like to ask artists, uh, because being an artist is is a tough business to be in, and I like to get, have artists give some words of wisdom to those that are aspiring to be artists. Uh, well, I have to say. I don't know how much help I'm going to be to other artists because I myself am still sort of crawling. Uh, you know, I, I, as far as making your living in art, I wouldn't recommend that to my worst enemy. Uh, kind of what I do right now, though. Some months it's feast and some months it's famine. Uh, mm-hmm. It is picking up. But uh, I think the, the greatest advice, I don't know if I ever heard this advice, but it's my personal view is to be ultimately and completely true to yourself. It's okay to, you know, politely listen to other people's ideas and, and criticism, but your art has to be you, and that's that. Uh, and uh, I think the second you compromise is the second you run off the road. 
I, but I think as long as as long as what you're doing is your own truth, I believe that you will find success. Whether it be personal satisfaction of your piece, whether it be somebody at the Whitney wants to buy it, but either way, as long as you're true to yourself, that's that's going to be your best bet. That's probably true for life in general, anyway. But that's how I look at art. Well, that is true. Uh, you do need to be true to yourself because, in the end, we are who we are. I think it's important that you know we have a, you know a, a confidence within ourselves. So it's, I think that's great words of wisdom. Well, you'd mentioned earlier uh, about uh, an art show. I believe you said in April. You want to tell the yeah. audience a little more about that and maybe details on the location, address, if there's a a, a website. Yes. I will have a solo show in April at a location in Maniunk, which is in the northwest portion of Philadelphia, uh, a store called The Spiral Bookcase, which is a uh, started out as a boutique bookstore, but now it's sort of expanded to a, a gallery for local artists and crafts, as it were. Um, there will be, it's part of the, it'll be part of the first Friday program that they do in uh, all over Philadelphia, so the reception will be on the first Friday in April. It is located at 130 Cotton Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right off Main Street. The website, I'm going to verify this, is the spiralbookcase.com. But yes, that'll be uh, the next solo show I have that I know of. I always have, yes, it's thespiralbookcase.com is their website. Um, I always have my irons in the fire, and I'm always making a nuisance of myself anywhere that has a wall that I can hammer a nail into in the local in Philadelphia area. So that is my, that's my upcoming, it's my upcoming show. It'll be in April. You can get on my mailing list and keep up with all the details of upcoming shows I both participate in and have solo exhibitions by sending an email to greg.trout at gmail.com. You can view pretty much my entire collection at gregephemeratrout.blogspot.com. And in the near future, I will be adding much more work to Contemporary Art Gallery Online. You can see that there. But definitely get on my newsletter to get the most up-to-date information. Well, that's wonderful, Greg, and I uh, certainly encourage anyone in our audience that uh, will be in Philadelphia that first weekend in April to try to make time and stop by and, and view the art exhibit and your fantastic work. And Greg, I want to thank you for being with us today on An Artist Speaks. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you today. I enjoyed talking with you, and there's no doubt in my mind that we'll be hearing much more about you in the future as your career continues to grow. Thank you. I also want to thank our listeners for being with us today, and again, to view Greg's stunning artwork, to re-listen to this interview, and of course, purchase some art, please click on the artist.